You're tuned to Tidings on WPKN, and I'm Hazel Khan. During the early hours of Monday, June 19th, Israeli forces using American-supplied jet fighters, helicopters, artillery, drones, both weaponized and for surveillance, and a thousand or so heavily armed soldiers in armored vehicles launched a large-scale invasion on the Dunin refugee camp, killing at that stage five Palestinians, including a 15-year-old boy. Dunin refugee camp is located in the northern West Bank, where more than 20,000 people live in squalid, densely packed conditions. It's less than a quarter square mile in size, housing refugees that Israel actually created in 1948 and has persecuted for the past 75 years. This was the first airstrike in the West Bank in nearly two decades, with many Palestinian deaths, adding to the 200 or so Palestinians already killed this year. With a strange name of Home and Garden, this operation is designed to wipe out what Israel says is, quote, terrorist infrastructure or cesspool of terrorism, with the aim also of restoring the control of the Palestinian Authority over the camp. I can think of no one I'd rather hear from today than Yumna Patel, who is speaking to us from Bethlehem in the West Bank to help us understand this rapidly developing and intensifying situation. Yumna is the Palestine News Director for Mondo Weiss, and she reports from the occupied West Bank. Thank you very much, Yumna, for finding the time to talk to us about the assault on Janine. I'm not sure whether the assault is on pause or whether it's intensifying as we speak. Thank you, Hazel. Well, to, to answer your last question, it's interesting to say whether it's ongoing or it's escalating. You could say that the most recent invasion, which you described, the one that happened in the 48 hours between July 3rd and July 4th, that invasion is over. The Israeli forces withdrew from the Janine refugee camp in the early hours of Wednesday morning on July 5th, after having killed 12 Palestinians, including four children. We haven't actually been able to confirm exactly how many of those who were killed were Palestinian fighters, but the the Israeli army claims that mostly everyone that they killed were fighters, while Palestinians say that's actually not true, and only a number of those who were killed uh, were actively engaging in armed resistance when they were killed. So 12 people were killed in the span of 48 hours, including four children. Now that most recent invasion came to a close, but to answer your question on whether it's over or things are intensifying, what we understand to be the case is that is just the beginning. And what we saw at the beginning of last week was the intensification of Israeli military attacks on Janine that have been ongoing since the past year. And now they are intensifying to 
you know, wartime military strategies like those that we witnessed during the Second Intifada with the deployment of helicopters and rockets and also now drone strikes as well, as you mentioned. And so while the most recent invasion may be over, we know that this is just the latest intensification in what the Israeli military is planning for. You could say a prolonged operation in Janine that has been ongoing since last year, but now it's it's taking on new heights. Is there any particular thing in, that initiated this escalation? Or is it just part of a larger strategic plan? And it's definitely part of a larger strategic plan on Israel's part. In 2020, Israel launched what was called Operation Break the Wave, or in some translations, it's referred to as Operation Breakwater. This was literally by the Israeli security establishment meant to break the quote-unquote wave of armed Palestinian resistance that was seeing a resurgence in the West Bank, particularly in the northern West Bank in places like Janine and Nablus. What was inspiring much of the growth of armed resistance, primarily amongst the youth and young Palestinian men, were the resistance groups in Janine. A new resistance group was formed called the Janine Brigades in 2021. And since then, those fighters have engaged in a number of offensives targeting Israeli military and settlement posts in the West Bank, and also residents of the Janine refugee camp, not necessarily fighters within the the ranks of the brigades and other armed factions in the camp, but residents of the Janine camp over the past year also carried out a number of shootings and other attacks inside Israeli territory. And so Operation Break the Wave was meant to break this wave of ongoing resistance. In reality, while It did manage to significantly dwindle the organized resistance in places like the old city of Nablus, where we saw uh, the Lion's Den, a new apolitical group in Nablus. The Israelis, with the help of the PA, were able to significantly uh, reduce their capabilities and their structure, mostly through assassination and then also arrest campaigns. But in Janine, the army did not achieve the same results. So now what you see is the army intensifying that process. And so now they are resorting more and more to targeted assassinations using drone strikes and, and air reinforcements. Before the raid On the 3rd and the 4th, in the last week of June, Israeli forces raided the Janine camp using deploying helicopters for the first time since the Second Intifada. And at least five Palestinians were killed in that raid. And just a few days later, Israeli forces carried out a drone strike targeting a vehicle that killed three Palestinian fighters outside Janine. So you're saying that the armed resistance within the refugee camp among militants as well as regular civilians has increased. Resistance has increased. Mm -hmm. It's seen a resurgence in the past two years, yes. So there's been a resurgence. Does that mean that they have more serious weapons now or just that there are more people being resurgent? It doesn't necessarily mean that they have more weapons and capabilities, even in this most recent raid when the Israeli army said it was targeting terror infrastructure, right? And it published pictures of the weapons and the arms that were secured. These are very provisional weapons compared to the Israeli army and the Israeli military's power. You know, you have some assault rifles as well as homemade IEDs that they're mostly working with, some Kalashnikov rifles, etc. The resurgence is is really referring to is less an increase in in weapons, at military power, but more just the resurgence of more and more 
young men deciding to take up arms and pursue this path of armed struggle against Israel. Is there something particular about Janine refugee camp? I know it has a reputation for being a safe place for political resistance and somehow more political direction maybe, or maybe energy is coming out of the camp. Is it because this is now the third, fourth generation of refugees? Can you talk about, and within that, about the Janine Freedom Theater, if that has some relevance? Mm -hmm. Janine in particular, and also the Janine refugee camp has, has always been home to Palestinians resisting Israeli military occupation and settler colonialism since Israel was founded. After the Janine refugee camp was founded after the Nakba, that continued throughout the decades. So we saw this in 67 and the first Intifada. And what is most well known is the second Intifada, when Janine became a battleground for Palestinian resistance. And so in 2002, the Israeli army launched um, one of the most wide-scale operations, Operation Defensive Shield, where it sent thousands and thousands of troops to completely occupy and invade the West Bank. And one of the primary targets of that was Janine, where a number of Palestinian resistance groups, again, had been operating out of. And during that battle, more than 50 Palestinians were killed, and more than 20 Israeli soldiers were killed as well. So Janine has a long history of Israel also suffering, you know, suffering great losses to its military ranks, and frankly, suffering some embarrassments when it comes to Israel's military prowess versus these small ragtag groups with provisional weapons. And so Janine has over the years become synonymous with Palestinian resistance, particularly armed resistance. And it's where Palestinians in other places like Nablus, and now we're seeing in Tulkarim and in Jericho, are also looking towards. And so it has a long history of Israeli invasions and raids that are frequently very deadly on much larger scales than other parts of the West Bank. And consequently, it's also become a place where Palestinians can take up arms. Another thing that's famous about the Janine refugee camp is the Janine Freedom Theater um, that was started in order to give Palestinian youth in the camp another outlet to express their frustrations of living under occupation and their rejection right. of the Israeli occupation. But it's it's important to know, and people who are familiar with Janine's history and who might have watched the 2004 documentary Arna's Children about right. these activists who started the theater, is that many of the youth who grew up in the theater they became resistance fighters as well, because in Janine, many of the youth feel like when they're constantly under attack by Israel, there really is no other option other than to to pick up a gun and, and fight. Right. That is relevant to, to our audience. And Janine Freedom Theatre has established a reputation for the quality of its theatrical performances. They've had performances in, in New York City, for example, and I've actually been to a couple of them. So I just wanted to recognize them in, in our conversation. So let's get back to the quality of this resistance. From what I understand, the Palestinian youth are accusing the PA of being collaborators. 
Yeah, so th this most recent Israeli invasion has brought to the surface again these years-long frustrations um, and anger amongst Palestinian youth directed towards their own leaders and the Palestinian Authority. The Palestinian Authority has, in, in recent years, grown increasingly unpopular amongst Palestinian youth particularly in places like Janine, where people feel that they're under constant attack by the Israeli government and the Israeli occupation and constantly suffering great losses. And meanwhile, the Palestinian Authority does nothing to protect them. And, and of course, those who, who are familiar with the history of the Oslo Accords and the way it was designed, Palestinian security forces have no power when it comes to defending their population against the Israeli forces. And in reality, by design of the Oslo Accords, uh, there's this thing called security coordination, where the Palestinian Authority actually coordinates on security measures with the Israeli forces. So when Israel raids Palestinian areas, the Palestinian Authority coordinates with them, and they're aware that it's going to happen. And the Palestinian security forces will remain put inside their headquarters or wherever they are in that respective city. And so over the years, as Israeli raids have become increasingly deadly and violent, Palestinians have become increasingly frustrated with their leaders who say that, you know, not only are you not protecting us, but you're actually collaborating with the Israeli forces against us. And we see that on security levels, but also on diplomatic levels. Earlier this year, the, the Palestinian Authority met with the Israeli government on multiple occasions in, in Jordan and in Egypt for different summits to talk about places specifically like Janine and Nablus and how the PA was going to be working with Israel in order to get a better control over Palestinian resistance groups in those areas with the goal of actively suppressing them. And the way that the PA views folks in Janine that are part of armed groups, they view them in many ways in the same lens that the Israelis view them as troublemakers, because mm -hmm. the sort of the, the idea that the PA has is, well, now their guns are turned against the Israelis, but it's only a matter of time before they're turned back against us. And mm -hmm. we saw that happen in the wake of the most recent Israeli invasion when after Israeli forces retreated just hours later, Palestinian youth from Janine went out in huge numbers mm -hmm. uh, to protest against the Palestinian Authority and their security forces in Janine. Yumna Patel is in Palestine talking about Israel's assault on Janine. This is Tidings and Hazel Khan on WPKN Radio. There were clashes happen and some reports of shots being fired towards the, the security forces. I saw a video of that. It was very startling to see them, but I wasn't quite sure what they were shouting. We published a video about this actually on Mondo Weiss's website. Some of the chants were calling them collaborators and condemning them for for working with the Israelis and you know and and they were basically like yelling at the PA to to get out mm -hmm. of Janine. Yeah, I must have been on your website that I saw that then. What I want to get into very shortly is the whole Gazafication thing, but before that I just want to ask you about the Israel protests that are taking place in Israel and how that relates to any of this. The Israeli army, the Israeli apparatus has the cooperation and support of not only the the PA, but also, of course, the settlers. And I don't think we're going to have time to talk a lot about settlers, but we shouldn't leave them out of the discussion either, I think. I mean, because the settlers are, to all intents and purposes, part of the Israeli armed forces, right? They're just not officially so. Would you agree with that statement or...? 
Have I misspoken? Especially in in recent years and now with the new right-wing Israeli government, we've seen this sort of deputization of settlers in the West Bank working side by side with the Israeli military to to attack Palestinians. Right. So this is a good time then for me to ask you the question about the large weekly protests that happen in Israel every, I think it's a Friday, Saturday, is it, or Friday? Uh, I'm honestly not sure. I know they happen on the weekends. Yeah. Okay. I'm just wondering whether it's Shabbat or not. Anyway, so the, the, the weekly protests, and apparently the most recent one yesterday was the largest of all of them. And these are the protests of the citizens against the new judicial reform that is taking place. So I'm just wondering, is there any connection or any comments that you'd like to make about those protests? as a context, maybe, for what's going on in Janine. So there's these, just another level of protest, another level of violence and uh, activity. I guess I'm talking about the, the activity, doesn't matter whether it's violence or protest, that Israel seems to be in a great state of turmoil. And so the, the Janine is one front, and the peaceful protests in Tel Aviv and other large cities is another expression of turmoil. That's how I see it. But I'm just wondering if you see any connection between them. Well, yeah, I mean, I would describe as what's happening in Janine as turmoil for Israel, though it is related to the, the protests. I mean, the way that you can understand the way that you can understand Israel's policy in Janine or in Gaza or in any other place where Palestinians come under significant attack, you know, on, on the larger level, it's about maintaining a part, you know, this apartheid regime and this and settler colonialism and, and maintaining Jewish supremacy in the land that that stretches from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, but also um the way that it's directly related to what's happening uh, on the Israeli streets is that Netanyahu's government, Netanyahu's government specifically, not Israel, but Netanyahu's government is in extreme, is in political turmoil and is constantly finding ways to to get out of it. And so one of the one of the the tried and true ways that Netanyahu's government and other Israeli governments before before him uh, one of the the easiest ways for Israeli politicians and governments to get out of, you know, when they're sort of in a bind, in a political bind, mm-hmm. is to turn their sights on Palestinians because it's it's a tried and true tactic that when you know nothing sort of bonds Israeli society together quite like bombing Palestinians or, or or you know carrying out a military operation against Palestinians. And so Netanyahu is earlier this year, it back in May when these protests were coming to a head, we saw Netanyahu's government go in and bomb Gaza. And now when the protests are coming back to a head and ahead again, we now see, you know, intensifying operations in the West Bank. And so I wouldn't say that, you know, the 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 political protests in Israel uh, the anti-government protests are the only reason that Israel, um, Israel's current administration is going in and carrying out these massive operations in, in places like Janine. You know, there are other reasons, um, you know, mm-hmm. behind their strategy as well. But it, it, it's certainly there. There is that connection there. Yeah. So good. Thank you for that. So I now would like to turn to this word Gazafication. Because it's, I mean, we've only mentioned Gaza once. 
you mentioned Gaza once, and of course Gaza is the elephant in the room here in some sense. And now that this new term that's in the press is Gazification. Could you talk about that? I know, Ma I know Mondo Weiss has covered it greatly. And I know that you, and I just want our readers to know that a lot of, maybe all of your articles that you write for Mondo Weiss also now are reprinted in the real news. Is that the right way of putting it? I was happy to see them there and surprised. Um, I'm not sure if all of the articles, I know our video reports also get shared on um, on the real news on, on Means TV and, and, and some reports as well. Your, your, your articles, your bylines are in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I assume you know that. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a regular reader of, of the real news, so I was happy to see you there. So talk about gasification. What is it? And obviously, it doesn't only apply to, to Janine because there's followed by Nablus and all the so-called little Gazas in the West Bank. Talk mm -hmm. about that. Talk about what it is to explain it to people. Well, it's it's this new term that some, you know, writers and political analysts are using, though I know there are some, you know, there's a there's a conversation and some people disagree with that characterization. But I'll explain just what the term or what this um, analysis behind that term is. And it's it's a way to portray the the strategy in which Israel is dealing with um, Janine now, for example, in the same way that it's dealt with Gaza, is creating the, these small Bantu stands, which you know Israel has already successfully done in the West Bank, but creating these smaller pockets of um, quote unquote, and this is what was you know. I interviewed a, a Palestinian writer for for nine seven two magazine, Amjad Iraqi, and he he's the one who sort of coined the uh, is what I believe is who I believe coined this term, and he describes it as Israel creating these little pockets of unwanted Palestinians and besieging them, and um, you know the, the the resistance in those areas might flourish, and then when Israel feels like okay things are getting pressed a little bit too far, it'll go back in and you know, do this policy of what's called mowing the lawn. Um, and so it'll carry out these um, limited uh, but extensive military operations to sort of break down the resistance for a while um, until it goes back and, and does it again. And so it's the same strategy that we've seen in Gaza for the past 15 years, 16 years um, with the siege on Gaza. And now we're seeing that, especially with the return of air forces being used in Janine and airstrikes and drone strikes, um, that's where that thinking has come from, is that Israel doesn't really have um, a way to deal with Palestinian resistance and knows that it can't get rid of it. You know, it's been 75 years and, and the, the resistance is still there, um, no matter how much Palestinian territory and, and populations have been, you know, carved up and divided. Uh, Palestinians are still, because of the occupation and because of Israeli apartheid, Palestinians, one way or another, are still going to find a way to to you know resist that. And so, um, Israeli the Israeli government knows it can't get rid of that altogether. So it it employs this strategy of closing people off in these in these areas and you know mowing the lawn every once in a while when it sees fit. But also, are they able to do a blockade in now in uh, Janine as much as well as they have in Gaza? Because Gaza is simply geographically slightly different situation. No, I mean 
can be block tape? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to speculate, but I would say that, I mean, it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you see with like, even when we talk, when, when people talk about Gazification, they're not necessarily talking about like a full complete siege on Janine in the way that we see in Gaza of it being totally cut off. Um, but just increasing, you know, wh- whether it's increasing checkpoints and increasingly restricting the freedom yeah. of movement of Palestinians in and out of Janine, there's other ways to achieve it without like fully besieging a place. Right. They've already built the wall, right? Years ago, they built the wall. And then, mm-hmm. and the thing about checkpoints is they're movable. They're, in a sense, movable walls, checkpoints. Mm-hmm. You can move them from one place to another and create, in essence, another wall. Yeah. So, which are the other, other towns then and villages? Nablus, and what are the other, some of the other ones that maybe are next? I think you mentioned it earlier. That may be what? That may be next or in this Gazification? I want to be clear that that's, I wasn't saying that there are other towns that are going to be next. I was saying oh, that okay. there are other places in the West Bank that are seeing this resurgence of, of armed resistance, okay. like Janine. So which which are those towns then? So, Just- I mean, we've seen it in, in tandem with Janine. We've seen this happening in Nablus, and we've also seen this uh, in the Nur Shams refugee camp in Tulkarim and the Aqaba Jabba refugee camp in Jericho. And so mm-hmm. there are these little pockets of these, these newer armed groups that are popping up um, in, in different areas across the West Bank, primarily in, in refugee camps. I don't want you to speculate, but uh, I've, I have also the, read that uh, Ben Gvir, the national security minister, Itamar, Ben Gavir, the very right wing, is is really what he wants is that what what he really would like is is a civil war. He's searching for a civil war. It has been said. Would you agree with that statement, or or would you think that that's too speculative? Well, it's not, it's not about speculative as much as like a civil war doesn't really um, that terminology. I don't think really applies mm. in this context because. A civil war is talking about two, you know, equal, equal, equal yeah. parties. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's not the case. I think what Ben Gavir and and others in his right wing ranks are actually searching for is the total, you know, expulsion of Palestinians and the total takeover of their land um, by settlers through through any means necessary. So, do you think that that goal is being achieved? That the goal of total apartheid will, in fact, be achieved? and that you will still be reporting from the West Bank. Is, has think- it, and, and the same que- uh, an allied question is, has it been become any more difficult for you to be doing your reporting than it was, say, the last time we spoke? I think total apartheid already exists. I think what Israel is looking for, the sort of best case scenario in terms of what is achievable for Israel is, you know, total apartheid, which is what we're seeing now. You know, obviously it can entrench it even further in different ways, but Palestinians are already living in apartheid systems wherever they are, whether it's in Gaza or the West Bank or Jerusalem or even inside Israel. What Israel would like is to not have any Palestinians here and to to have it completely be a Palestinian Arab free state. Obviously, that's not possible without you know, mass extermination and expulsion. And so in turn, what Israel is trying to do is, yes, further entrench its, its apartheid in, in 
further divide um, and carve up Palestinian territory, take over more territory and give it to the settlers and then further embolden and arm the settlers to then act as an extension mm-hmm. of the Israeli state and, and security forces in their, you know, violence and, and oppression towards Palestinians. In terms of it becoming more difficult or to report. I mean, things on the ground are definitely worse, I would say, than a few years ago. I'm still able to report. But as we know, journalists are facing more and more uh-huh. oppression by Israeli forces um, and the Israeli government uh, in terms of censorship and surveillance and also just being targeted, as we saw with uh, with Shireen Abu even in the most recent raid in Janine, when uh, Palestinian journalists came under live fire by Israeli forces. Right. Well, thank you very much indeed, Yomna. Uh, it's been that you really clarified so many things to me, and I'm sure for our readers, for our listeners, it'll be a very interesting interview to listen to. Thank you very much, Yomna Patel, Palestine News Director for Mondo Weiss. I'm glad you, I'm grateful that you were able to take time out to talk to us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. You heard Yumna Patel, Palestine News Director for Mondo Weiss, talking about Israel's assault on the Janine refugee camp. You can hear tidings right here at this time on the second Wednesday of the month and any time at all as podcasts on hazelkhan.com. If you think listening to this interview has been worth your time, please remember the donate button on wpkn.org is always open. Thank you very much. I'm Hazel Kahn.